Hi everyone, I hope your weeks are off to a good start, and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where we are looking at the third episode of Moon Knight, named The Friendly Type. <sighs> How on earth am I going to do a dramatic intro ending in the words The Friendly Type? I mean, I tell you, this series pulls no punches with its less than dramatic title names. Anyway, format-wise, we shall start with a look at the background information on the episode, then a section on the historical accuracy, and finally, I shall review the episode, and then rate it out of ten. Okay, here we go. I can do this. Right, you are a mercenary who has just regained control of your own body. As the avatar of the ancient Egyptian god Khonsu, you traverse the streets of Cairo, trying to stop the evil cult of Amit from reviving their evil overlord. To stop her, you will need to enlist the help of the other gods. However, they have conflicts with Khonsu. In order to enlist their help, you will need to learn to be the friendly type. pretty happy with that intro. It wasn't as hard as I was expecting. Anyway, moving on to some of the background information. Unlike the first two episodes, there was no hidden QR code in this one. I feel that's a bit of a shame to be honest, as the QR codes were becoming quite a fun little side game in this series. Although, in fairness, I suppose, Marvel did still upload a digital copy of Moon Knight number 3, published in January 1981. This was the first appearance of Midnight Man, which was the alias of Anton Mogart, the antiquities thief in this episode. And in fact, sadly, this episode was dedicated to Gaspard Uliel, who played Anton Mogart in the episode. Because... Very sadly, he died in a skiing accident before the debut of the series. During the scene where Mark and Layla meet Anton Mogart, Mark has the alias Rufino Estrada. Interestingly, Estrada is Oscar Isaac's real second name. And so we have arrived at the historical accuracy section. Here, as my regular listeners will be well aware of by this point, I'm just going to talk about what the episode does well and what it does poorly. Early on, Kontu claims that if he angers the gods enough, they shall encase him in stone. And then later, we find out what he means by this. Basically, the gods will turn him into a small stone statue, which I suspect is supposed to be a shabti. In the last episode, they spoke about how Arthur Harrow was searching for Amit Shabti, and this makes me think that Amit has also been turned into a small stone statue. As I have said quite a few times during this podcast, Shabdis were small stone servant figures that were buried with the deceased, often in a box at the base of their coffin. Shabdis were believed to come to life in the afterlife to serve the deceased, and so it does not really make sense that the gods would be turned into them. Basically put, the depiction of Shabdis in Moon Knight 
has so far been completely wrong. At one point towards the end of the episode, Kontu causes an eclipse to send a message to the gods. There is very little textual evidence for eclipses in ancient Egypt, though I will admit this fact does surprise me as the Egyptians must have seen them from time to time. It may be that references to them just haven't survived, or it may even be that the Egyptians saw them as a bad sign. If this was the case, then writing about them may have added permanency to them, and so it may have been avoided. However, these ideas are highly theoretical, of course. The earliest textual evidence that definitely relates to eclipses in Egypt dates to the Roman period, so after Pharaonic Egypt had come and gone. That means that for a time span of over 3,000 years, there are no known direct texts linking to eclipses found in Egypt. Kind of insane if you think about it. So, although linking Konsu to eclipses does make sense, and although there may have been some link there that either was never written down or has been lost with time, there are no known links between Konsu and eclipses at this point. At one point in the episode, Mark travels through a door and ends up in a grand hallway which Stephen in his reflection claims is in the Great Pyramid of Giza. The Great Pyramid has three chambers in total. The lowest is called the Subterranean Chamber, and it was likely built in case the pharaoh died before the pyramid was fully constructed. The next chamber is called the Queen's Chamber, though this name is a little misleading as it was never meant for the burial of a queen. Although we do not know the purpose of this chamber, it may have originally been designed as Khufu's burial chamber, until he decided he wanted it even higher. It could have potentially also been built as a chapel. The highest of the chambers is Khufu's actual burial chamber. In the episode, it may be that this is supposed to be a hidden chamber in the pyramid that is yet to be found, but if that's the case, then how on earth would Stephen have known that they were supposed to be in the Great Pyramid? It doesn't really make sense. In one scene, Mark bumps into the avatar of the goddess Hathor. Hathor claims that she is the goddess of music and love, and implies that she and Konsu used to be an item. First things first, Hathor is the goddess of love, beauty, music, dancing, fertility and pleasure. So although the claim that she is a goddess of love and music is a bit cut down, it is not necessarily incorrect. As for her claim that she and Konsu used to be in a relationship, there is a little evidence for this. At Karnak, which is a temple complex located in modern-day Luxor, there is a Ptolemaic creation myth in the precinct of Konsu. This inscription claims that Konsu and Hathor mated to enable creation. However, it is worth noting that outside of this, inscriptions linking Konsu and Hathor are few and far between. So although there is some evidence, I am not convinced the writers were aware of this and it has the feeling of them kind of just getting lucky instead. During the meeting between the gods in the Great Pyramid, each of the gods is represented by a human avatar who is sitting above a statue of their particular god. This is a bit of a picky point on my part, but if I were the director for this scene, I would have placed the avatars below the statues of the gods, as I feel this would be more reminiscent of how it would have been done in ancient Egypt. Even when it comes to writing in ancient Egypt, 
they had a concept known as honorific transposition. This idea basically meant that even if the name of the god was sounded later on in the word, the symbol for the god was always written at the front of the word as a way of honouring the god and acknowledging their importance. And so it seemed a little unlikely that the avatar of the god would be sitting above the statue here. Again, this is a picky point and is one that's up for debate, I suppose, but this is my take on it. During this meeting scene, it is also claimed that Amit was buried in secret and that not even the gods know the location of her tomb. Basically put, this is completely wrong. There are no myths of Amit being buried in ancient Egypt, and there is also no myth about her being the enemy of the gods. This is completely made up for the series, though I do have a feeling it probably did come from the comic books. We later find out that only one person ever knew the location of Amit's tomb, a Magi by the name of Senfu. In ancient Egypt, Magi were originally an ethnic group from Nubia. However, over time the word changed, and they are now best known as a kind of police officers of ancient Egypt. As well as being used to protect things like cities, they also guarded areas such as borders and royal cemeteries, so they are mentioned frequently as guardians of the Valley of the Kings, for instance. This means that there is some justification for having the Magi as the defender of the tomb of Amit, though considering the location was also written down, in my opinion it may make more sense for the location to be entrusted to a priest as opposed to a Magi, as priests were far more likely to be literate. So, this isn't necessarily a mistake, and the point is definitely up for debate, but once again, this is my take on it. At one point, they find the coffin of Senfu in the collection of the antiquities thief named Anton Mogart. As they examine the coffin, Leila talks about the student wenchen texts. The student wenchen texts are real texts, and they consist of a series of rituals associated with the division of the day into 24 hours. 12 for the day? and 12 for the night. They are strongly associated with the Osiris myth, as in this myth, Osiris is cut into 14 pieces by Seth, who wants to take his throne. Once these parts have been collected together, a series of divinities took guard over Osiris and protected him. The rituals here were performed by these guards each hour. In fairness, the student wenchen texts were funeral texts, although they initially appeared in the pyramid texts from the Old Kingdom, which were the first funeral texts ever found in ancient Egypt. During the first intermediate period, which came directly after the Old Kingdom, a new type of funeral text appeared called the coffin texts. Generally, the idea here was that many of the texts which covered the walls of the funeral chambers of the pyramids were instead written on the actual coffins of the deceased. This meant that where the pyramid texts were purely designed for the pharaoh, the coffin texts were also adopted by elite individuals who could afford it. Some of the student went in texts such as Spell 61, which talks about the purification rites such as burning incense and torches and things like that, also found their way into the coffin texts. However, by the New Kingdom, the coffin texts had more or less disappeared and were instead replaced by the Book of the Dead. As Senfu was tasked with protecting the tomb of Amit, it does seem more likely that he would have been around during the New Kingdom than previous to that. And so I am not sure the student wench in texts would have still covered the coffin. Probably not, 
Instead, they would have appeared on papyrus scrolls stored in the tomb with the deceased. Towards the end of the episode, Stephen claims that the ancient Egyptians created modern navigation. He claims that as there were very few landmarks in the desert, they learned to travel using the stars. This is not really correct. Much of Egyptian travel was done along the course of the Nile, and so for the most part, settlements were usually along the river. As such, sometimes they used what were known as geography lists. These were basically an exact list of towns, cities and landmarks you were going to pass on your way to your destination. In this way, you could tell how far along your journey you were. If the Egyptians were travelling through unknown territory, often they would use a guide to lead the way. And also, from the Ramesside period onwards, so from about 1300 BCE, maps did start to appear, which were also used in travel. This is not to say the Egyptians did not use the sun or stars, but they were more used in terms of things like timekeeping rather than actual travel. For instance, depending on where a particular constellation was in the sky, this could give some information on what time it was. Therefore, overall, Moon Knight continues to be a mixed bag when it comes to historical accuracy. It does get some parts kind of correct. For instance, the claims that there was a relationship between Hathor and Khonsu is backed up by a Ptolemaic text at Karnak in the precinct of Khonsu. But these texts are still very few and far between. Also, Layla does talk about the student Wenchen texts, which were real ancient Egyptian texts. However, the episode also seems to claim that Shabtis were gods that had been turned to stone, which is completely wrong. And it claims that Amit was buried in a secret location that even the gods did not know. Where, in reality, there is no ancient Egyptian story about this at all. Okay, we have now arrived at the review section of this third episode. First things first, during several of the fight scenes, we see Mark getting hit and kicked. I like this as it shows that although he's a very good fighter, he is not perfect. It also justifies why he needs the Moon Knight suit, as it does legitimately make him stronger. Further, I like that depending on who is wearing the suit, Stephen or Mark, it looks a little different and seems to match their personalities. Stephen's suit looks more like he's wearing a dinner jacket with smart trousers, and goes well with his more comedic side of his character. Meanwhile, Mark is more stereotypically cool and gritty. This is a good way of further differentiating the two parts. Further, during the episode, for most of the time Stephen is trapped in Mark's reflection, and during several moments he almost acts as Mark's conscience. On more than one occasion, Mark is about to kill someone, and he is only stopped because he hears Stephen pleading with him not to. I kind of enjoy this because it shows how Mark and Stephen make each other better, as they hold different values and different strengths and weaknesses. This is certainly also helped by the phenomenal performance of Oscar Isaac, as he plays both parts and does a really good job of differentiating them. Towards the end of the episode, Konsu takes the stars back to how they would have looked in ancient Egypt. The visuals at this point are really impressive, as he kind of turns the stars back as if he's winding a clock. 
This makes for a very visually impressive ending to the episode, and did give me the feeling that things will be escalating soon. I will say, however, although I very much enjoyed Oscar Isaac's performance here, I did find myself confused at times as to who was in charge of the body of Stephen and Mark. I feel that this was done on purpose as it's kind of implied that a third person may also have control over the body, but I also was not too keen on this as I found myself glazing over a bit. Hopefully it's a part that will be justified in later episodes. I also found the relationship between Mark and Layla to be a little bit subpar. I think this is largely because Layla has only been in a couple of episodes by this point and I haven't really gotten the chance to know her. Also, when it comes to Mark, for myself, I find Stephen a more interesting character. Therefore, I did not have much interest in this relationship. In fact, in a way, this is one thing that I have started to notice with this series. Outside of Stephen, I am not really that emotionally attached to any of the characters. Maybe this is something that will come with time, hopefully it is, but it is not the case right now, though I am still enjoying the story as a whole. In terms of the reviews for this episode, they stayed consistently good. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a critic score of 94% out of 16 reviews, and on IMDb, it has an audience score of 7.5 out of 10. Generally, the consensus is that this is another really solid episode where the performance by Oscar Isaac really shone through. However, some people did criticise the writing. For myself, much like with the last episode, I would give this a 7 out of 10. I do agree that Oscar Isaac's performance was really good here, but unfortunately, I do also agree that the actual writing has taken a step down, unfortunately. I felt that the first couple of episodes did a good job of building the character of Stephen, but I also feel that the other characters in the series have not been built up quite so well. I am very much still enjoying this series, and I feel it is one worth recommending at this point, but that does not mean that it is not without its problems. Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, why not consider giving this episode a thumbs up or leaving a comment? And why not consider subscribing if you have not already done so? And join me on Thursday, where we shall be looking at the brand new Indiana Jones film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And then join me again on Monday, where we shall be looking at episodes five and six of the Nickelodeon show House of Anubis. I hope you all enjoy your weeks and see you then.